Wow, like, hello, what? Whatever it is, I'm liking it. Ben, did you do your homework? What homework was that? Remember how we had a special assignment from last time that we recorded? No. What was okay. the homework? It was to watch episodes 23 and 26. Oh, no, I did that. Yeah, I did the homework. Yeah. Never mind. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I thought I had some of the other homework that I completely forgot. No, thankfully, uh, I didn't give you any other assignments. Because <laughs> I can't handle them. Yes. Uh, I barely got through. I barely, uh, barely managed to come back to the podcast. Found my way back to my desk. Well, we're glad to have you. And I hope that uh, folks who are listening have uh, followed directions as well, or else they might be a little confused. Uh, we're going to talk about 23 and 26 just as a quick review, because 24 and 25 make a more natural end to season two. So this will be the penultimate episode of season two before we tackle 24 and 25, which are uh, two episode story arc that's very good so yeah that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna do things and episode 27 of podventure time commencing now we're gonna talk about episode 23 which is called movie makers and episode 26 which is called heat the signature heat signature which is also about a movie that's right there is a theme there these two although they jump uh, episode numbers from 23 to 26 uh, there is a there's a common theme yeah i think that heat signature is the movie in question in both movies uh they're both episodes uh not to question the super fan but i believe in the first episode we're going to talk about they were going to be watching heat signature 2 i think it was three but We'll Ooh. split the difference. I tried. I tried, man. I thought I was going to super fan you, and you super fan me right back on top of me. And well, I just hope that I was right. <laughs> I'm right. sure that we'll hear from uh, my cousin will. Tommy on Twitter about who was correct. All right. Tommy, be the arbiter. Be the arbiter of justice. Come on. There's $10 All in right. it for so you, All right. So let's Tommy. talk about uh, episode 23, and it's called Movie Makers. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, Heat Signature 3 is an issue for Finn and Jake here. This is an episode focused around Finn and Jake hosting a good old-fashioned movie night at the old treehouse. And they have invited all of their best friends to enjoy films that they, that they play on BMO through some sort of weird hookup that they've got. So Heat Signature 2 or 3, debatable, uh, probably 2. Where they're going to be watching, <laughs> they're going to be watching that one tonight, and they pop it in the old BMO video player, and just like every movie or DVD that you've seen, the old copyright warning shows up at the beginning, and the other people in the room who are people, it's like, um, let's see here, it's LSP's there, Lady Rainicorn's there, uh, Princess Bubblegum's there, I can't think of, there's a few others, but... Uh, well, tree trunks is tree, there. Oh, tree trunks uh, is there. Yeah, yeah. Bemo's definitely there, and they. I I really like that they each have their own drinks that they've ordered. Yes. Um, and then PB appears to be drinking one of her own citizens. <laughs> right. I brought my own, is what she says. And Finn looks into her cup, and and her her drink blinks back at yes. Him. And uh, one of my favorite lines of the entire two episodes that we watched, of course, is when Bemo gets his hot cocoa, and he goes. That does compute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 
so they, uh, so I think it's Princess Bubblegum who point who asks something about like what are these words? What's that? What's that mean? And Finn and Jake just say something that I want to come back to, but they say, oh, that's just in the front of every movie that we we dig up, and don't worry about it. But then they say, well, then Princess Bubblegum presses the issue and says, like, well, it looks like a warning. So he says, yeah, okay, fine, let's look at it. And they they ask BMO to pause it, and they take a look, and they read through it. And, uh, you know, the language of the copyright warning is quite uh, intimidating, I suppose, if you are uh, one to to be uh, very conscious of the law and justice, as Finn is. And they immediately freak out a bit because they realize that they have been perhaps viewing these videos in an unauthorized manner. Yeah, that's the big word is yeah. that the, it's, it's, it's against federal law to show the movies in, in, in an unauthorized way. And Finn is very insistent that the movies that he shows at his house uh, cannot be unauthorized because Finn respects authority, ma'am. That's right. So he and Jake shut down movie night right then and there at the at the prospect of violating federal law. They're not going to take any chances. And so they ask everyone to leave. And all the guests are dismayed to a point to the point of ridiculousness. LSP I think is like beside herself screaming or something like shouting that like uh, movie night is the best night of her entire life or something like that. Sometimes, yeah, some... she insists you've got to have a movie night next week, Finn. The, the, I've been having the time of my life. <laughs> right. And up until this point, they have been, from an outward appearance, they have been having a mildly good evening. They have been well, just... and LSP was complaining the entire time, too. <laughs> right. As LSP right. is wont to do, she always just sort of uh, side-eyes everything and sort right. of grunts, just like a, a teenager. But then it turns out that... She really likes movie night, no matter how she acts during it. Right. So, uh, and everyone kind of feels similar to LSP. They all have been, are are just uh, distraught at the idea that movie night could be canceled forever. And so uh, Finn and Jake, I think, come up with an idea on the spot to maybe placate them, but also to, uh, it seems like a fun idea to them. Yeah. They said, you know, uh, no, movie night's definitely back on, but when you come back, you're going to watch a movie that they have made. And that seems just great to everybody. So Yeah, uh, I'm not sure that they announce it to everyone. I think Finn just promises that there will be a movie night oh, because okay. I think that Finn is a bit of a people pleaser and he's not gonna let the crowd go home unhappy. Yeah. And and they get inside, they're in the treasure room and, and Jake is like, Well, we just gotta dig up one of those movies without a uh, warning and Finn is digging through the treasure and comes up with a video camera and announces that they're not going to find a movie. They're going to make one. That's right. So they strap the video camera to BMO and head out into the world of Ooh. That's right. BMO and his head cam. Does BMO have a gender? Is BMO male or female? I can't remember. Uh, I have always thought that BMO is male. And I've used male pronouns for him. Okay. But I'm not 100% sure about that. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll stick with that. Uh, so BMO is, has his head cam on. And they and they go out and Finn and Jake's movie filming style is eclectic. It's a bit stream of consciousness, I would say, is the best way to describe how they choose what to film. Yeah, it's sort of a 
this is the world of ooh reality show. Yeah, it's just essentially whatever they come across, they film, but they film it with just an energy and an enthusiasm that is uh, inappropriate for the situations. Essentially, and like, they have very, very cute sort of director's megaphones that they appear to have fashioned out of paper and tape. Yes. And, and they're and, yelling everything at both each other and at BMO. Right. And and they do have a few semi-correct film lingo in there somewhere that they've picked up. Um, they use most of the phrases incorrectly, but I think that one of my favorite moments was when Jake is yelling at BMO to truck in. And he just like, yeah. truck, truck in, truck in, keep trucking. Uh, and so they uh, they basically direct BMO all over the place just filming random stuff from people with coffee cups standing by each other, uh, someone rolling a quarter off of a table, a lot of weird stuff that they just, that are just happening in Ooh, they just grab it on film. They just film it all without much thought to it, at least. And, um, and then they take it back and it is, let me make sure I get this. If I'm remembering this right, they, they kind of watch like a rough cut and then they, and they're kind of disappointed with it, and they decide to go back out. Is that what happens, or do they do they do they do they do more than one viewing of their of their first film? No. So I think what happens is they they kind of just film whatever is in front of them, and then they go back to the treehouse and they watch it, and they decide, right. yeah, this footage is is no good. And that's yeah. when uh, Finn gets the idea that they're going to make an action adventure movie, and Jake decides they're going to make a rom com. And here is where the conflict develops because neither Finn nor Jake is willing to listen to the other about what kind of movie we're going to make. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they they decide that their first one is their first take at this filmmaking thing is just garbage. So they head back out with BMO and they're still filming. They're they're asking for the same shots, but it, whatever's happening in their head in terms of like what they're what film they're making. You're right. Finn and Jake have very different ideas of what will be the final product. And it does come out in their directorial styles. In the scenes they direct, Finn keeps trying to direct the actors or the people. Um, the, the Actors is a generous word. Uh, they, <laughs> they, the people that they've put in front of the camera, he keeps directing them to like get in fights and, and uh, beat up on each other. And Jake keeps contradicting and saying, no, you need to... Um, say kind of like sassy things after looking at each other romantically. Uh, he's got this line that he keeps asking everyone to say that I guess he thinks is <laughs> classic rom-com line, which is, uh, oh man, it just flew out of my head. Ah, what is it? Uh, mm, check, please. That, that's the one. Mm, I, so I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this episode because I say mm, check, please, fairly frequently in my life, but I didn't want to bust it out on the podcast too early. Oh it's God. one of my very, very favorite lines. Yeah, it is. It's basically Jake's sassy rom-com friend tagline, catchphrase. And uh, he he first asks the worm that lives in his violin to do to deliver the line yeah shelby who is evidently officiating a wedding because he has a cute little priest collar on <laughs> right exactly anyway they keep filming they just like they they go through a ton more scenes that they're gonna film yeah i really like this scene with slime princess where it's got it's like sort of a it's like the very cliched picture of a hollywood blockbuster old-time movie set where she's standing at the top of the waterfall and there's vines and everything yeah uh, except this is real 
And so Finn sees this as an opportunity for, which by the way, the fact that these poor people in Ooh are having to do their own stunts is uh, a little sketchy. But <laughs> well, it's, Finn, it's, it's low budge, man. You got to do what you got to do. It's all for that's exposure. That's true, yeah. It's all for the exposure. And everybody turned out just fine. So uh, Slime Princess dives <laughs> off the cliff into the pool with the alligators. Finn warns her immediately before that that if she gets in the water, she'll be eaten alive. But instead, she winds up smooching one of the alligators, which makes Jake happy. So here we see the different ways that they are looking through the BMO lens at what they are filming. Yeah, and I mean, all clearly what we're getting here is... Uh is the lens through which these people that these guys see the the entire world all the time i think like yes finn to finn the entire his entire life is an action film and to jake uh his entire life is is a bit of a romantic comedy i think he sees himself as the lead the male uh, the romantic lead in some sort of some sort of romance film or novel yeah i think the comedy is is possibly even more important i think that jake pretty much sees life as a joke most of the time yeah. So they shoot a lot of footage and they take it back to the treehouse for another cut um, that BMO is required to do. He's uh, both the uh, director of photography and the the lead editor on this project. Um, <laughs> they're sitting there waiting for BMO to edit it and um, they ask how long it's going to take. And he says, uh, 20 hours. And they are like, oh man, that takes too long. And they're like, He's just like, well, you shot 20 hours worth of footage, so we're going to have to take 20 hours to edit it. They're trying to direct him on how to edit it. And this is the the conflict that's been building between them kind of comes to a head here where they're, te- you know, Jake is directing BMO to edit it like a romantic comedy. Uh, Finn is directing him to, to edit it like an action film. And they argue and argue and argue. And finally, they come to a... Um, a point where they can't proceed any further and they say, fine, BMO, just edit it to make it the best movie out of the footage we have. And Jake sort of says the same thing, but it's clear that both are implying uh, their original intent to BMO or they're trying to imply that while trying to sound like they're remaining impartial. Yeah, they are having a conflict and they do this a lot in this episode. They have a conflict where they kind of act like they're agreeing with each other they're sitting on the couch and finn says you know jake i've been looking at our footage and thinking and i think we can use about half of it and jake agrees yeah we can use about half of it and then of course eventually they realize that they're each talking about the opposite half right and that's where bmo the editor gets to decide what's going to make it into the film right and it's clear that bmo is stressed out by this kind of pressure he is not enjoying his his job and his he's got a worried look on his face as as they basically say we're just going to wait until the movie night and we will unveil the film it'll be the first time that both Jake and Finn see the finished film at the movie night uh in front of everybody and so Bimo has himself a a very big conundrum on his digital hands yeah, and uh, I think we pretty much just flash right through that, mm-hmm. and it gets to be movie night, and so everyone is there again. They are 
very excited to see what Finn and Jake have come up with, whether they've dug up a movie from before the Great Mushroom War, which is a thing I want to get back to, or in this case, Finn and Jake have made a movie, and so go for it, Bimo. He uh, starts the movie, and it is... It gave me a lot of feels. It is a lovely film. Uh, Bimo wrote his own soundtrack. He sings a song along with the film. It's so good. And it is... um, it is essentially a tribute film to the friendship that Finn and Jake have, and Bimo shows him all the footage, shows them all the footage that shows where Finn and Jake are being friends, and you know, showing the closeness of their relationship, and and all the while, Bimo is singing a song about how precious that is, and it is just a lovely tribute film to this deep deep friendship that Finn and Jake have and and with a with a bit of a lesson and a moral and it's you know at the end saying you know don't throw that away essentially over this and throughout the entire film you can see that it is getting to Finn and Jake that both of them are realizing the uh the error of 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 getting into a fight like this over over something like making a, a movie and at the end of it uh everyone is just over the moon with this film. They think it's just fantastic. Finn and Jake think it's fantastic, and they thank Bimo for, for, for showing them their, their mistakes. It's just it's a wonderful moment. Yeah, they are reunited in friendship. Bimo has taught them the lesson that he set out to teach them with his song, and uh, it's sort of a found footage movie, you know, when Bimo was sort of filming as Finn and Jake were making the movie. He cut out everything they told him to film and just use footage of them. And he sings that lovely song. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is definitely one of those episodes where, where I got the feels. So this is up there in the top for me. Yeah, it was super cute. I thought it was a great episode. I thought it was a nice... Uh, I really liked all the movie night moviegoers. I loved them. I think a moment that I missed early on that, uh, that you just reminded me of when we talked about Shelby was... As Finn and Jake are passing out drinks at movie night, uh, yes. Finn hands it. Finn's hands a thimble to Shelby and says, "And a thimble of some milk. Th- thimble of milk for Shelby, the worm that lives inside of Jake's violin." And, and Shelby just goes, "You can just call me Shelby." <laughs> like, yeah, th- I thought that there were some real good laugh lines in uh-huh. here. I thought the uh, the bit with the forced perspective where. Finn is trying to make it look like Princess Bubblegum is being is riding on a chariot which is being pulled by a frog. Uh, but Jake puts the fly too close, and so the frog just eats the fly and destroys the carriage. And then PB, as so many characters do in this episode, looks at the camera and goes, check, please? Yep. Uh, and that is also the tagline at the end of the episode after... After everyone has reunited and have it and is is feeling good, uh, Bimo delivers. Uh, check, please, as the final tag on the whole episode. Yeah, I think by that time it's 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 been uttered enough in the episode, but I have taken it into my life and uttered it many more times. Yep. But there's some things we need to talk about about this episode, mostly regarding the the thing you talked about and the the throwaway line that Jake or Finn gives that all of the movies that they dig up are they have this uh warning on them right 
I'm gonna need you to be straight with me here. Is well, a, what's your question? Is this a Planet of the Apes situation? Did they blow it up? Did they blow? Did, did is, who blow what up? Is this a? Have you been sitting on a post-apocalyptic twist for me this whole time? Because digging up movies that have a United States federal warning on them is a. All I can come up with is either uh, they are. It fits within my theory that there is a world out there that Finn lives in and he just knows about movies and they're just transferring over. Or there is a. There's something happening like that there is a. Uh, that Finn and Jake are living in a world that once was a world that I live in. Well, I think that your dream theory still has validity, but I, I, I do think that it's important that Jake mentions the Great Mushroom War. Yeah, so and that I think was... that that lends more credence to kind of what you were getting at just a minute ago. So that is uh, interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, I, I thought that this was the first time that we had heard about that, and I wondered if you would pick up on it and what you thought. So the I didn't... It's in, the mushroom war actually passed by me until you said it again, but it was the movie line that like when he said we dig him up, and I don't know like I don't know if I buy it yet or not like eh. all right so okay so fine I would I'll I will I will add not to my theory but I will add into my mind the potential that. Uh, we're talking about a post-apocalyptic Earth here. Yeah, we're getting clues, and we'll probably figure it out one way or the other before too long. All right. It was it so, was world it was world building, and I enjoyed it, and but it threw me for a loop because I was I mean I did, I had no real aspirations that my theory was going to pan out in any significant way, but this was a different twist than I this is a different tact or different twist than I thought was going to happen so if that's what's here happening I'll roll with it but uh, all right but it was surprising to say the least yeah well I'm glad to hear that uh, it's it's intriguing you and surprising you and actually I want to let you know that your dream theory got some support on Twitter this week I heard from our friend Ben the other Ben from back to the Futurama He's been listening, and and he is way into your dreamscape theory. And he actually brought up something that was very interesting. We're going to do a new segment right now called like reader tweets or something like that. Um, no, but Ben the, suggested that's the official that, name. No, stop. That's the official name of this segment going forward. It's called reader tweets or something like that. That's what we're okay. going to call it. We're and it make makes it. no sense in any way because no one reads this. And uh, yeah, it's perfect. Okay, yep. reader tweets or something like that. Um, ben actually had a theory about uh, the well, the Welcome to the Nidosphere, or it came from the Nidosphere episode with Marceline's dad. Yeah, and he yeah, yeah, thought yeah. it made a lot of sense that Marceline and Finn in the real world are in fact just half siblings, oh. and so therefore um, Finn doesn't know Marceline's dad very well, and Marceline. Uh, you know, being the older one whose dad may have left or whatever, that's why she has such a conflict with her dad. I so see. if this is indeed Finn's dream, 
you know, the big evil Marceline's dad is going to manifest just the way that it does. Yeah, no, totally. Like the father figure that could take Marceline away from Finn would definitely be evil in Finn's subconscious. So if there's a dad, if there is a biological father, an absentee or some sort of like, you know, not much in Marceline's life kind of father, but he's out there who shows up from time to time maybe and tries to convince Marceline to move out to Wyoming where he lives or wherever. Yeah, I think with Wyoming and the Nidosphere is probably a pretty good comparison. I, I mean, there was, there was, I was not trying to cast any aspersions on Wyoming. It was just a random state I picked. But sure. Um, the I've driven through Wyoming, and it's not exactly the land of ooh, I will say that. But it might be. It might be with this new information. Uh, oh, okay. All but, right. But the, uh, I like that. I like that a lot. I like that it is there as a... Okay, so now... So but then that question now, but that really, it, it just raises more questions because if we're talking about some sort of um, uh, family of a second marriage or uh, a joining of two families with kids from different parents, then, okay, if we've established Marceline and Finn are half siblings, are Finn and Jake, ha- like, what's Jake? Is Jake, because Jake's the brother in this. So yep. is he from the same mother and father as Finn, or is he also uh, from the family? Is is he from? Uh, is he more? Does he share more DNA with with Marceline? Yeah, I I think that this theory from Ben, and thank you Ben for listening and for yeah. suggesting this to us. Um, I think it really does a great job of explaining why Marceline's dad is evil. But you're right; it does raise more questions about if there is a real world family dynamic when Finn is awake, just what exactly that looks like. I'm going to go ahead with, because otherwise I'm going to stay up too late thinking about this. Uh, I'm going to say that Jake is not, um, Jake and Marceline do not say the, share the same father because otherwise I think in the subconscious, the, the, the demon dad, I think would have had a stronger connection to Jake in the, in the land of Ooh. So I yeah, think, I think that's I think that's fair. I that's think a that fair Finn rash. and Jake, yeah, Finn and Jake share a bond that can't be broken by that guy. So that's a rationalization that I'm going to go ahead and throw in there. But I like it. I like I'm, it. It's officially canon uh, that that is true. So Ben, thank you. Let's keep building together. And anyone else who wants to build the metaverse. And hey, I learned uh, one other thing yeah. uh, that relates to a past episode. So. Uh, I went ahead and tweeted at at Cole Sanchez, who is a writer and storyboard artist on Adventure Time, about the episode where Finn and Jake go to the underworld and there are all those police cars scattered about it. Yeah. And, I, you know, I was very curious as to what exactly that was all about. And so I said, hey, you know, you, you wrote this and storyboarded it. Can you tell me what the police cars were for? And he was very gracious and answered my question in the best way that he could, which was, you got to talk to the background designers. They put those in there. I had no intention <laughs> uh, for them. So any sort of intention that I might have read in about state violence may be out the door, or if it actually exists, it's being pushed by the background artists and not anyone who's writing or storyboarding for the show. 
I love the idea of a background animation artist just just like pushing pushing their own agenda where they can in the only way they can, which is by throwing throwing visuals into these cartoons that that are shown in midday on cart in uh, cartoon, <laughs> cartoon. Yeah, network. I wonder. I wonder if working as a background artist is just a constant game of what can I sneak in without the showrunner noticing. I guarantee that that's like 90% of the job uh, is what can I get sneak in here. I think that that's probably like, uh, you know, same with like extras or lesser known characters on shows. I know that there's a pretty famous story about Patton Oswalt in his role in King of Queens that he's he plays Kevin James's friend who's in, you know, random scenes. He's not like, he, he's a regular character, but not like in every episode. Right. And he had a running gag whenever he was in a scene, but didn't have lines. He would stand perfectly still for as long as he could before, <laughs> before someone would notice. And there are entire like two to three minute scenes in, if you go, if like, you can look it up on YouTube, I'm sure, uh, of, of King of Queens episodes, where if you focus on Patton Oswald, he literally doesn't move for an entire, like, there's like a scene in a living room where everyone's chatting and stuff. And like, he's in the background, like a statue. And oh, that's fantastic. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it's on YouTube, though, because there's no way that I'm watching an entire episode or multiple episodes if I get the wrong one of King of Queens. I can't guarantee it's on YouTube, but it's. It, I, had, I, didn't, I didn't watch enough King of Queens to notice it myself. I definitely learned it uh, uh, through the Internet. So my guess is that there are clips out there that you can, uh, you can find yourself. All right. Well, if any of you listeners are background artists on Adventure Time or any other show, we'd love to hear from you about the sort of things that you have slipped into the background of shows, whether it's police cars in the land of the dead or stock still extras. We want to hear about them. And we really thank Ben and Cole Sanchez for helping us create our new segment, Reader Tweets or something like that. And after that segment, of course, we can move into talking about the second episode that we watched, which was episode 26, which yeah. is actually the final episode of season two. But as we said, it doesn't make much sense as a final episode, but it's called Heat Signature. Right. Putting a pin in that, we need to ask Will Yates if he can create a, a jingle for uh, that segment. Oh, great idea. The next, the next episode, uh, Heat Signature, which, if you remember, is the name of the movie franchise that they were going to be filming. They were going to be showing at the beginning of movie night. We start this off, uh, this episode off with with a bit of a movie night again, except it's not Finn and Jake hosting this time. Um, they are actually headed over to Marceline's house, and they are bringing Heat Signature with them, and they are super stoked to uh, show it to Marceline. I, th I think the line is, can't believe Marceline's lived for a thousand years and hasn't seen Heat Signature. Yes. It's probably one of the, it sounds, sounds like one of their favorite films and they are going to, they're going to watch it. So they arrive and Marceline's uh, welcomes it in and introduces them to three other guests that she has invited to the movie night. And they are three ghosts that she says she used to be in a gang with in the underworld. Right, and, and they have pretty funny names for ghosts. I can't remember. It's like, it's like Denise is one of them, or uh... that may be. I think one of them is Wendy. 
Wendy. Uh, that might be. It's like Wendy, Boo Boo, and Gary, or something like that. Uh, they they basically have like pretty normal names, except for Boo Boo. Yeah, they seem to be going by the same names that they went by it when they were hypothetically alive. I don't know whether these are dead people ghosts or just ghost ghosts. Right. Um, so, uh, and they are just sort of like, you know, chill people or chill ghosts. It's like, hey, how's it going? So they're going to start watching the movie. But when Finn and Jake go to settle down on the couch, we start the real plot of the episode. Yeah, they hop on the couch to get all comfy. And instead of it being a comfy couch, the couch they land on seems to be perhaps the most uncomfortable couch ever created in the history of the world. They land with a crunch and it sounds like bones breaking and teeth gnashing. And they both just are in immediate pain and they shout out and exclaim like what's the deal with with this couch it hurts it's like so painful to sit on and marceline kind of is like nonchalant about it she's like oh yeah i guess i never thought about that like i actually never sit on anything i just float because i'm a vampire i can just float anywhere and she says in fact we all do like gesturing to the ghosts like basically everyone marceline hangs out with usually can float so having comfortable furniture is a non net is a not necessary uh luxury for them so, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? I think floating is the real luxury. Floating, is that like if you were asked the question, like what superpower would you want to have, floating would be it? Uh, it would be right up there. I could have a floating desk at work instead of a standing desk. Yeah, totally. I think that's exactly that's exactly what they're what you what that question's about is like how would you how would you make your work life slightly more comfortable. That's what that that's what that question's getting at. Now, I have to mention that there is a slight plot hole here. Uh, not so much a plot hole as a detail hole, because if you think back to the episode, I think it's called Go With Me, where Finn is wooing Marceline and Princess Bubblegum, he is wearing the loot suit and sort of flops backwards on that couch when he's talking to Marceline about how she doesn't like him that way. So that couch has been soft before, or at least... Finn didn't notice it when he was flopping dramatically backwards onto it. Uh, that is, that's occurred to me as I've watched both of those episodes multiple times. But I think that's exactly the kind of thing you should tweet to Cole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all we needed to do is just to start sending accusatory tweets to <laughs> yes. Adventure Time creators. Yep, I think that that's the way we're going to get ourselves on the map here is just going to be the annoying antagonistic podcast of Adventure Time creators. Yeah, and Twitter is designed for people to be mean to other people. Exactly. So, uh, all right, well, fair. All right, so uh, continuity uh, continuity with notwithstanding, in this episode, the couch is, in fact, uh, incredibly uncomfortable, which, uh, you know, Marceline basically says, you know, uh, you're going to have to deal with it. Like, too bad you're not vampires. And... That gives Finn and Jake an idea. They sort yeah. of confer for a moment, have a little huddle. Yep, and then in the most serious tone I've ever heard Finn speak, uh, he says, Marceline, we insist that you make us both vampires. <laughs> it's a very rational decision that they have come to, and right. yeah. uh, it's not something that Finn is rashly yelling and diving into. It's just, you know, I, we've we've discussed it, and we, we insist that you turn us into vampires. Yes. And Marceline kind of says, like, all right, whatever, fine, and the... Finn and Jake, you know, are super excited. The ghosts kind of pull Marceline aside and say, "You're not going to turn these 
doofuses into vampires, are you? And Marceline says, no, I got a plan. Uh, play along. The so, ghosts immediately seem to dislike Finn and Jake, so they are not about to have Finn and Jake join the vampire ghost gang. Right. But uh, Marceline does not intend actually to change them into vampires. She has a very elaborate prank that she's going to pull off. Yep. So uh, the, re- the next section of the episode is essentially Marceline enacting this prank, which involves... Blind, making them close their eyes, telling them that he's there. She's going to initiate, you know, like some sort of biting ritual. She doesn't really bite them though. She just pinches them on the neck and then places a couple dots of ketchup on there. And so after, you know, after she does it, she says, "How do you guys feel? Do you feel? Do you feel like vampires?" And and they say no. They they're kind of like, no, we feel the same. But then with the power of suggestion, uh, the ghosts are going along with it for the moment, and they're saying you know well don't you feel hungry for blood and finn and jake want to be vampires so they they say yeah we do feel i think i feel a little bit hungry for blood and i think jake's line is like yeah i could go for some blood right now yes that's exactly right finn says oh i i felt it i i'm hungering for blood what about you jake yeah yeah i could go for some blood like a sandwich like insert replace blood with the word sandwich and he'd be saying the exact same tone then they get a little freaked out because they realize that uh sucking blood would be sort of against their code of ethics and they have a mini panic attack before marceline calms their fears by saying well you don't need to actually drink blood you can just do as she does which is suck the red color out of things and that satisfies the bloodlust she gives them an apple to try to do it to try to suck the color out of it and Jake just bites right into it and splatters everybody with apple juice and bits. And then while everyone's kind of distracted with the mess, Marceline sneakily sucks the color out of that apple so that it, uh, Jake then re- thinks that he was the one who actually uh, did it. And he says, oh, I, I feel stronger. And then he like crushes the apple that has been sucked of life essence, I suppose. Yeah, and this is where the the prank from Marceline starts to get pretty elaborate as right. she does more and more high stakes things to convince Finn and Jake that they are in fact vampires. Right. Uh, and the ghosts are playing along, although they don't seem to have quite the same intention uh, towards Finn and Jake that Marceline does. Right. Uh, yeah. She this it basically escalates. They take them out to the into the woods and try to get you know make them believe that they've gained even more powers things like invisibility uh, <laughs> which um, they which they ruin by trying to mess with lsp in her hobo camp right when was the hobo camp i know that we saw it earlier like was it ever explained why lsp is a hobo at this point or is i it- don't think so it, i i I think that she's just been, she's either been kicked out or has run away from home. We saw her not get along with her parents very early on in the series. And so I think it's just sort of implied that she has run away from home and the only place that she had to go was the middle of the woods where she can have a fire and a can of beans. Yeah, it's a fairly, fairly elaborate hobo camp, but a hobo camp nonetheless. Uh, she's in, She insists that she's doing really great now that she's on her own. Yeah, she's on. A, she still has a cell phone, and she's still talking to her friends on her cell phone, and uh, and she's she's listing all the things that are so great about her life. Number one of which being the can of beans she recently found. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Finn and Jake just think that they're going to use their newfound powers of invisibility, which they don't actually have, of course, 
to mess with LSP. So they walk around, lift up her stuff. And in their minds, what she's seeing is her stuff levitating on its own, uh, of its own accord. But she's just seeing them. And she gets, uh, they kind of run around, they get into a little bit of a chase. And Finn knocks over the can of beans that she was cooking over her fire. And it sends her into an absolute rage. Yeah, we get a slow-mo cut of Finn kicking over the beans and LSP and, you know, classic sort of slow-mo reaction mode giving a no. Right. Yeah. My beans. <laughs> uh, and she, she then uh, starts beating them up because because she's so upset and at this point the ghosts start to show a bit of their true colors the bit of the gang mentality that that marceline had alluded to before comes out and they say oh let's get in on this action and so they head on over and first scare off lsp with their own invisibility powers they raise an axe into the air uh it looks like it's floating of its own power and that kind of terrifies her and she passes out and then, but then the, the ghosts, the ghosts tell Finn and Jake that they need to learn a new, uh, a new vampire lesson, which is like being kicked. Is that right? Yeah. It's like, let's, let's practice being kicked. And I had exactly the same thought that I think you just kind of brought up. Basically they're jumping Finn and Jake into the gang. Right. Exactly. Yeah, they are, but they're, I th- they are violent by nature. Uh, clearly yes. like this is where they show the that nature and they are i think seeing lsp pummel finn and jake it sort of sparks that little fire inside of them and they decide they want to beat them up too so and yeah. this is where marceline i think really realizes that the ghosts are trying to take this a lot farther than she is right marceline has no intention had no intention to get finn and jake hurt um but the ghosts clearly are completely fine with that and so Marceline starts kind of like pedaling, backpedaling a little bit on the whole prank thing. But uh, at this point, the ghosts are taking over a bit and a little bit of uh, mob mentality is coming through. In, uh, and they said, well, you know, you can't back off now, Marceline. They haven't even learned how to fly. And this is the thing that Finn and, and Jake have been wanting. And that was the whole reason that Finn and yeah. Jake wanted to be vampires in the first place. Exactly right. So uh, Finn and Jake are like, no, yeah, we are not stopping until we learn how to fly. And the ghosts say, yeah, all you have to do is we'll take you up to this ledge way up in the sky. And all you have to do is jump off and you'll be able to fly. And it's this impossibly high cliff that they're going to take him up to. And yeah, it actually appears to be sort of ruins of an old building. Right, exactly. Uh, it is a entirely, it's a skyscraper, uh, a ruined skyscraper. Uh, which Start making those brain connections. I, it's happening. The neurons are firing. Okay. So they take him up to the top of a building, and Marceline is peeved at this point at the ghosts, and she flies up after them, and the ghosts are like, "Okay, all you have to do is get your uh, get your wings out, get your get you get in your flying positions, and jump off." And and Marceline's like, "Stop, stop right now," and the ghosts give him give her a reassuring, "Don't worry, we've got a plan." <laughs> and uh, so she kind of lets it happen. Mar- and Finn and Jake are completely unaware. They just, I think they jump off or maybe the ghosts even shove them. In any case, they're plummeting. They plummet. 
And shouting things like vampires forever or something like that. (laughs) And they're falling and falling and falling and falling. And Marceline's like, uh, guys, where's this plan? You said you had a plan. Where's this plan you had? And they said, oh, our plan is to let them die. And Marceline is furious. Her eyes go ablaze with anger. And she dives off the edge of the building having to go save Finn and Jake. Which she does uh, just before they crash into a pile of broken glass and metal at the bottom of the building. And she she keeps the illusion going even here, which I was actually surprised at. She goes invisible and makes them believe that they're flying. Uh, she does a couple loop-de-loops just to kind of sell it and then drops them safely on the ground away from the, away from the wreckage. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure why she did that, except maybe just to give Finn and Jake a little bit of fun. I think she figured once she saved them from crashing into the ground that as long as she told them afterwards that they would kind of start to believe her that "Eh, maybe we're not vampires after all and we should just listen to Marceline. But that does not happen. No, it does not. Um, The ghosts come back down and they're upset at Marceline. They're like, you know, why have you gone so soft? We could be having so much fun with these these dorks and they they keep it going they said you know what um why don't you come to a party at our house tonight and we'll complete you know sort of like it'll be the culmination of your initiation into the vampire ghost gang slash crew and that's the sort of the invitation they deliver off to the side they have discussed how what they would like to really do is take them to their house, take Finn and Jake to their house and, and suck out their brains, suck out it's their actually guts, suck their guts out through their brains. Yep. Uh, yep. I was about to correct myself. You're right. Suck the guts that, out. Through that their seems brain. slightly impractical, but it also seems very scary. So yeah, the ghosts are still on the, like, let's kill these guys bandwagon and plan. So they invite them to a fake party. And Marceline insists that they not go to the party. You know, right. guys, you, you absolutely cannot go to the party. And Finn in one of the more like, just sort of calm, bald-faced lies that he's ever given, says, oh, yeah, we're not going to go. We're pretty tired from doing vampire stuff all day. I think we're just going to go turn in. (laughs) And then immediately in the next scene, they are walking up to the ghost's house for the party. Yeah. And again, Marceline had every opportunity at that moment to be like, hey, prank's over. You guys aren't really vampires. But she didn't. That would have ended, I think. That would have, like, foiled any plot of the ghosts, but she didn't. Yeah, I wonder whether she's worried about her prank getting ruined or about breaking Finn and Jake's heart at this point. I think either could be true. Yeah, I mean, a bit of, like, saving them from their own pride at, like, realizing that they've been duped, perhaps. Maybe, like, like that's the guilt now of, like, well, now if I reveal the prank... It just makes them feel stupid, so why add insult to injury, I guess? Right. So maybe that is it. Um, At any rate, they end up at the ghost's house, uh, and they head on inside, and the ghosts have transformed. The ghosts are enormous now and much more malicious-looking. They're wearing bibs. They're wearing bibs, yes. They don't say much. Once Finn and Jake enter, they just sort of shut the door and start a ritual of sorts, uh, spinning around Finn and Jake and chanting, Finn and Jake still don't really get it. They're kind of thinking like this is some sort of initiation ritual or some part of the party dance that they've uh, they've come to. And but then things go south quickly when the ghosts sort of uh, release their tube-like 
suction devices from yeah they're kind of a mix between a tentacle and an elephant's trunk is how i would describe them yeah so they uh they have tentacles suction tentacles that they latch on to finn and jake's heads and start sucking their guts out through their brains and this is where finn and jake finally realize uh that they've been had and so they start to fight back right they fight back they are able to do a little bit of fighting but it's clear that the ghosts are very powerful and so Finn and Jake get their butts handed to them a bit. Finn actually ends up on a on top of a chandelier. He gets sort of like knocked through the sky. Why am I hovering, Wendy? Yeah, exactly. You're, it's like finally he's like, what, I think Finn is like, why didn't my vampire powers defeat you? And he's fit, Wendy's finally like, oh my god, why do you guys still think you're vampires? And he's like, why am I flying, Wendy? And then <laughs> then he has a wily coyote moment where he goes like, oh. And he's on this, and then the chandelier falls to the ground. Yeah, the chandelier cra- crashes to the ground, and Finn and Jake are lying next to each other, and they kind of say, "You know what? I think we got fooled, and we're not really vampires." Right, and are a bit. Res- I don't know if they're resigned to their fate, but they are sort of they're down. Yeah, I think they are actually a little resigned to their fate. Um, they don't fight back very hard, and the tentacles descend, and they are uh, beginning to suck Finn and Jake's head. And at this point, Marceline has come in. Right. Uh, and and Finn says, man, I can't believe we're going to die just because we wanted to watch Heat Signature. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, Marceline comes to the rescue a bit. She kind of, you, she does kick the ghosts out of the way, uses a vampire kick, and which, which she says aloud as she kicks, by the way, uh, vampire kick. And then she apologizes to Finn and Jake. For well, she also reveals something that I thought was interesting and pretty funny the way she described it when Finn says, Finn or Jake says, we, Marceline beat up these ghosts. And she goes, oh, vampires can't, can't take ghosts. It's like a rock, paper, scissors thing. It's, it's a constant, it's a constant status quo that they neither can get the upper hand. Or, or, does, or is she implying that ghost always I, beats vampire as a, in the way that paper always beats rock? Yeah, I think it's sort of a hierarchy thing. And, I see. Uh, maybe I see. it's maybe it's werewolves. That's the third variable. Uh, those are what vampires can beat, and then the uh, werewolves can beat the ghosts. Fair enough. All right, I hadn't thought it through enough, but yes, that makes more sense now. All right. Anywho, she can't beat them, um, but she, and so she's not there to save them. She realized, she's like, I'm here to apologize for pranking you, but I can't save you from the ghosts. So the ghosts resume sucking their brains uh, unimpeded, and that's when Finn delivers his line, I can't believe we're going to die just because we wanted to watch Heat Signature. And at that, the ghosts pause, and one of the ghosts said, did you just say Heat Signature? And smash cut to back to Marceline's house, and they're all watching Heat Signature. Apparently, Heat Signature is a favorite of these ghosts, a favorite movie of these ghosts. And uh, they couldn't pass up the opportunity to watch it. Yeah, they'd rather watch rather watch Heat Signature than Suck Brains. Yeah, and we get to watch a little bit of ourselves. A uh, it's a very it's a it's an amazing film. Uh, focusing, I won't you know I don't know that we should spoil it for anybody, but it's a it's about a submarine. I think we can say and uh, and radars and and sonar. Yeah, uh, it's a hunt for Red October, Crimson Tide type situation. Yeah. It's a fantastic little little vignette of a film that or you get to see a portion of Heat Signature. So I would recommend checking out this episode so you can also watch a bit of Heat Signature. And we, we end on this with uh, Finn and Jake are back on the couch, uncomfortable as ever. 
complaining but being shushed by the vampire um the ghosts and marceline that is uh, and they are safe and they are safe and they are sound and uh we end the episode we end the episode and the season on that scene yeah so i thought that the marceline as big sister concept really came out in this episode oh man it's enough that i I think that there should be some fan fiction being developed here based on my theories. Uh, not by me, but uh, <laughs> someone out there should do it. But yeah, like it was exactly that. I mean, it's like classic big sister pranking, but then like, let's not push it too far. Big sister's got some friends who aren't so cool, who are a little bit too edgy. They want to push the prank. They don't know where the limits of the prank should be. And uh, it's a that's a classic big sister little brother kind of situation yeah and little brother wants to hang out with big sister and her friends and even when the friends are are mean or you know tease you or whatever you still still, want to hang out with the cool people it's still so finn and jake keep trying to hang out with marceline and the ghosts even when to most people it would have been clear that they're (laughs) they're being had and they're being harmed yeah yeah i think this i mean this was just this is right smack in the middle of the metaverse. It was fantastic, and it's, I loved. I loved the, that we got to see a bit of heat signature. I love the. Uh, I love that we got to watch some. I found it interesting that uh, Marceline has some way of viewing movies that allows them to be viewed sort of as as intended. I think like in full color, whereas when Finn and Jake were hosting movie night, they had to like play it on a sort of eight bit green screen bemo device that yeah uh, maybe marceline's got some thousand year old technology that works better yeah maybe she does have thousand year old technology and where would she have gotten that technology pat where would she have gotten it it's literally thousands of years old possibly god man they're just the hint now everything it's just falling into place isn't it they just they they're refu- they can't I can't unsee it now that I've seen it. The world just keeps getting bigger, buddy. Ugh. Ugh. I don't know. This is uh, honestly this was a uh, these two episodes because of this world building revelation. Uh, it pulled me in. It's a, awesome. it was a it was a twist that I did not expect. It was an expansion of the world that I am hoping that they build upon yes it's uh it's starting to they're starting to drop some clues about what is really going on in the land of Ooh, and those will only continue uh as we move forward through the seasons but of course we still have one more episode left in season two so A little bit of weird homework again for you listeners out there. We're going to talk about episodes 24 and 25 next week because they are the sort of cliffhanger natural end to season two. Sounds good. I will look forward to watching and I hope you all out there will watch along with us. 
Yep. And so I think that we have successfully completed another episode of Podventure Time. So here's the part of the show where I always like to say thank you to Will Yates. He provided our intro and outro music. The song is called I Know the Feeling. No, the song is called Date Night, and it's off the EP I Know the Feeling. You can go to willyates.bandcamp.com and pay what you want for that EP, or you can stream him if you like sending digital fractions of pennies his way. Of course, there's all the social media. Um, you can get famous like Ben just did. Ben from Back to the Back to the Futurama is now Podventure Time famous. Uh, not just his podcast, which does better than ours, famous by uh, just tweeting at us. We are at Podventure Time. We're on Facebook. We have uh, the page Podventure Time. We also have a group where uh, you are encouraged to write fan fiction or otherwise advance your theories and that's called the treehouse treasure room i think i'm gonna have to put it maybe i'll start putting the metaverse canon up there just uh just start just start plotting through just the the just the connections you know just like the framework that's that's out there and maybe then you know all the fans out there you can start hanging your own stories off of that i'll put I'll, i'll put out the framework you guys you guys hang hang your plot hooks on there and we'll we'll write ourselves our whole a whole other universe of fan fiction together. Yeah, I think that sounds like a solid collaborative effort. Yeah, all right, all right, cool. Sounds good. All right, so go to the uh, Treehouse Treasure Room, write some fan fiction or write your theories, uh, respond to Ben's. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to finishing up season two. If you have questions for us, we did get one from my cousin Tommy. Uh, hey, and if Tommy. you have any for us for our season two wrap-up special, Go ahead and, and and tweet them at us so we will try and include as much <laughs> reader tweets or something like that as we can in the season two wrap-up special. But Ben, we need to wrap up this episode. And so until next time, I've been Pat. And I've been Ben. And this has been Podventure Time. What if we turn evil? I'll have to start wearing cologne. Cologne.